Today's episode of Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunks.robinhood.com. That's dunks.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.com backslash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by Eric Wong, a.k.a. Roto Evil. Eric, did you have a good week since we last talked? I did. How was your week? Uh, I uh, spent a few days in Vegas, managed not to kill myself, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I think I have some residual kind of physical you know, uh, kind of a stuffy nose and and cough that I brought back from Vegas. But, uh, you know, if that's the worst of it, uh, I can certainly live with it and battle through. And uh, I look forward to battling through some more fancy hoops talk with you this week. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to uh, go th- make sure you can know how to get a hold of us. If you want to off of this podcast, you can follow me at Brandon Funston on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil. And, of course, you can follow Eric's call. Columns at the Athletic and at the Athletic FS on Twitter. Uh, this past week, it's kind of the midway point of the fantasy hoop season. So Eric took a moment to reflect on his all fantasy, all value, and all pickup teams in fantasy hoops this year. Kind of a fun list. We're not going to go over that in depth in this one. Sometimes we go kind of deeper dive into his columns. We're going to talk about some other things. There's a lot of stuff going on this week. So uh, if you want to check that out, be sure to go. Uh, to The Athletic. If you want to get a subscription to The Athletic uh, for 40% off, you can go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. And uh, a subscription will allow you to check out all of our other NBA podcasts. That includes uh, No Dunks, Back to Back, Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge, and The Daily Ding. Uh, We also have several great team-specific NBA podcasts as well. So uh, lots of stuff for you. If you want to subscribe here, we would love to see you do that. And uh, with that, Eric, let's uh, talk about things. Uh, The trade season's here. Um, We just saw one. Uh, We saw the Atlanta Hawks acquired Jeff Teague plus uh, Travion Graham for Alan Crabb on Thursday. Uh, This may be the first of what could be many players uh, trading places. But before we talk about, you know, you know, more about that, let's talk about this trade. What's your thoughts on Jeff Teague moving to the Atlanta Hawks? Right. I think uh, I'm not sure if this is a huge uh, impact for fantasy owners. Uh, Teague has kind of disappointed this year to begin with not playing as many minutes coming off the bench from Minnesota. I think it's more of a trade based on uh, Teague's unhappiness in his current role 
and uh, Minnesota just trying to get something, uh, move him to another team, get an expiring contract in return. Um, and the Hawks, uh, I guess, have been hunting for a solid veteran backup point guard. And so Teague will give them that to back up Trey Young. It's hard to see Teague's minutes going up uh, in this new situation. He'll probably only average over 20 minutes a game now if Young gets hurt. And I'm sure most NBA fans don't want to see Trey Young getting hurt. He's such a fun player to watch. So uh, probably not a great thing for Teague's value, but uh, he was kind of posting fridge numbers to begin with. So maybe what, how is, I guess to me, this seems like, and I, I, I know you, you've liked Jarrett Culver a lot, but this, you know, and you've kind of been plugging him the last few weeks as a guy who's getting a lot of minutes. I mean, uh, Jeff, Jeff Teague being out of the equation probably means good things for Culver going forward, right? Yeah, definitely. I'd say he's the, he's the big winner from this trade for fantasy purposes. And this is another situation where lots of people like to look at player raiders and whatnot. And, you know, Culver does not rank high at all. He's been more of a negative than a positive this year because of his terrible shooting percentages. But a situation where you got to look at his playing time and how he's trending, and he's definitely trending up. He's been playing a lot better lately. And, yeah, I've been trying to add him as much as possible over the past few weeks, and I'm definitely uh, excited to see what he can do now that Teague's out of the picture and uh, his his playmaking uh, role should increase even more now. Uh, what about some of the other guys on the walls? Anybody uh, else that you kind of see things kind of you know going in the right direction for them uh, with Teague out of the way? I guess it depends a little bit on if Alan Crabb is actually going to crack the rotation or not for his new team. They could definitely use his three-point shooting. He's a career 39% three-point shooter. And the T-Wolves actually rank second to last in three-point accuracy at 32%. Ironically, the only team that they're better than is the Hawks that they just traded with. But it could it could be helpful for Shabazz Napier and Josh Okoji, who uh, have had their moments um, kind of unreliable. Napier has had some 20-point scoring games, is a little bit better distributor than Teague. So he should get a little bit more reliable playing time. And Akogi is kind of their defensive ace, has trouble scoring the ball. But if his minutes ramp up, he could definitely be worth uh, looking at if you're in need of some steals and blocks and uh, some defensive numbers. So I don't know. I'm sure you have. But um, there's been a lot of talk since this Teague trade uh, that this may be a precursor to the Wolves trying to swing a deal for D'Angelo Russell. What do you think about that? I think, you know, I, I think it probably makes some sense. Um, but uh, do you see that something that's feasible? And and you know, how would that impact fantasy? Yeah, I mean, that would be definitely a blockbuster trade. Trying to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy, I suppose, and. Maybe worth swinging the fences on a young, talented guard, but I think we discussed this before. The main issue that they should be concerned about is how Russell and Andrew Wiggins would be able to coexist together. Kind of both guys need the ball in their hands to be effective, and to be honest, I don't really see that working out well for them if they do make that trade as far as... you know, Wiggins kind of having a breakout year this year, but also at the same time showing his limitations too, especially with Towns out over the past uh, month or so. He has not really taken on that uh, number one 
number one offensive role. And, um, I mean, for fantasy, it would be interesting to watch, but I'm not sure if it's a, it seems a little bit too risky of a move, I think, for Minnesota to make. I wonder, and I don't profess to be a, uh, you know, to understand the NBA salary cap and, you know, deals that make sense in the way the, you know, the way the collective bargaining agreement is constructed. I'm always, you know, I'm always kind of my eyes glaze over when they talk about, you know, um, just the contracts and, and, you know, some guy that has an expiring contract and, and stuff like that and, and how those are valued with other teams. But, I'm just curious, is Andrew Wiggins someone that could be traded uh, since he's kind of at, you know, you know, we always talk about buy low, sell high. Andrew Wiggins has been a guy that we've been waiting on and waiting on. And now here he is averaging 23 points a game. Would this be a sell high moment for Minnesota? Potentially, if they don't see a Russell and Wiggins world working out and they'd prefer to have D'Angelo Russell. Right. Well, I, I highly doubt the Warriors are going to trade for him. They might be right. able to uh, might be able to move him to another team, but he still has a lot of money left on his contract. He's signed uh, through twenty twenty two twenty three season, and uh, he'll be making uh, basically thirty million dollars a year for the next three seasons after this. So that's that's a lot of money to take on for a guy that has not proven that he's a franchise player at all. Yeah, probably teams would probably want to see more than a half season of high level play out of him. So, um, but thirty million a year—that's good living. Uh, it's better living than me. All right, let's uh, let's move on uh, to some more news—not of the trade variety, but of the injury variety. There's a decent amount of stuff going on, as there seems to be uh, at this time of year. So. Let's start with the Denver Nuggets, who are going to be uh, missed uh, three starters on Thursday. This is one of the deeper teams in the league, and probably, um, you know, they have some guys that can step up and 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 help out that team, and I'm sure help out fantasy teams. Who are you looking at here in Denver as guys that might have some opportunities going forward? Yeah, I watched the uh, fourth quarter in overtime of last night's game versus the Warriors. A uh, very fun game. Lots of points being put up on the board. The Warriors trying to compete, but they still lost, uh, I believe, their 10th game in a row. First time in a long time that that's happened. Uh, But yeah, Denver was showing off their depth yesterday. Jamal Murray out for the foreseeable future after he suffered a serious ankle sprain. Gary Harris has missed the past couple of games, and Paul Millsap has missed five straight games with a left knee contusion. The... Injury replacements yesterday were Monty Morris, Torrey Craig, and Jeremy Grant. But uh, the guys who ended up playing the most in crunch time over those three guys were Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., and Mason Plumley, and they all put up some very nice stat lines. Um, I would say that Monty Morris will still continue to start a point guard and is a decent short-term pickup if you're in need of some assist. He's averaging three and a half assists in just 18 minutes per game this year. So that can give you a little uh, assist bump. But the guys who I think are really intriguing here are Beasley and Porter Jr. Um, Porter Jr. had one of his better games last night. He's only had eight games this season where he's played 18 or more minutes, but he's averaged 15 and a half points in 23 minutes per game in those games. And I think we're going to start seeing him become a bigger part of Denver's rotation. There had been 
some trade rumors uh, to start the season and throughout the season surrounding Porter Jr., but I think he's shown enough that uh, the Nuggets value him too highly, and I, I think he's considered untouchable by them now. But uh, what could happen is that they could be showcasing Malik Beasley, a guy that had a very strong season last year, is still very young and athletic and talented, kind of disappointed this year. But they might be looking to to move Beasley in order to open up more minutes for Porter, in which case uh, both Porter and Beasley would be worth uh, looking at and picking up, especially if Beasley were to land in a good situation. Yeah, I was, I'm always interested in Porter. He was a guy that moved out to my neck of the woods for his senior year of high school out in the Seattle area. It was coached by Brandon Roy, and they won a, won a, a state title. And, uh, and the guy's a stud and just a lot of potential there if he can get the playing time. By the way, Brandon, great piece on Brandon Roy uh, recently at The Athletic by Jason Quick. So if you do uh, subscribe to The Athletic and you're a basketball fan, you probably want to read the piece on Brandon Roy and how things are going for him. Been an interesting. Interesting, uh, been an interesting life for him to say the least. Uh, anyways, um, all right, let's let's uh, pivot to the Chicago Bulls. They lost big man Daniel Gafford uh, to a dislocated thumb. Sounds like he'll be out for about a month. Um, this is right after losing Wendell Carter Jr. to a right ankle sprain. Uh, Otto Porter still not close to returning. So kind of a mess in the uh, in the front court for the Chicago Bulls. How do you think this gets sorted out? Right, I had actually picked up Gafford in several leagues last week to try and get uh, some big man, some big man stats, and disappointing to see him go down. Just time to replace him for fantasy teams and for the Bulls as well. They got to fill those big man minutes. So it looks like it's going to be Luke Cornett time. They don't really have uh, any other true centers, and I wouldn't really call Cornett a true center either. He doesn't rebound the ball well, doesn't block. Uh, His blocks are decent for a big man, but uh, really what he's out there for is to space the floor with his three-point shooting. He loves to launch threes and is an interesting pickup if you're in need of a a big man, especially if you lost Wendell Carter Jr. Now, I got to say, I read the show notes, and you said Luke Cornett time, exclamation point. I got to think that's a little bit of a misuse of an exclamation point. But, but I guess desperate times call for desperate measure. So, so there you go, Luke Cornett time. All right, what else? What else is interesting on the Bulls uh, in this with all these injuries? Well, I mean, I did look up uh, Cornett's stats uh, <laughs> in his spot starts for the Knicks last year because I remember him uh, having some value and definitely, you know, his eleven points, four rebounds, nothing special, but uh, one one point four blocks and two point six trays per game in the spot starts last year. Uh, that might be kind of uh, his his upside. Uh, that's uh, that that is exclamation point worthy. I'll give that to you. <laughs> that's you pretty go. good. It's pretty unique. That's a pretty unique skill set for the big man. I mean, it's kind of what uh, some people who drafted Miles Turner right were, were hoping to get that many threes, and we'll see uh, we'll see what he can deliver. But uh, Thaddeus Young, his kind of minutes have been held to the twenty to twenty five per game range over the last four games, but he'll probably be forced into a bigger role just due to their lack of depth in the front court now. Still uh, might might have some limit, a limited ceiling for Thad. It's, he, he, you can tell he's kind of going into the downside of his career, but uh, 
you know, if you if he's playing minutes, he can still get some rebounds and steals. Chris Dunn, I think, has been a little bit more reliable lately, playing some major minutes for them, grabbing tons of steals. He's among the league leaders in that category. So he's worth owning until they get healthy at least. And uh, Kobe White, still don't trust him, but capable of getting hot. Would like to see his minutes come up more before recommending him. And then another young guy to watch is Chandler Hutchison, a 3-and-D wing who's Minutes have been kind of limited, but maybe he'll get more of a chance now that uh, they're so depleted in the front court. Yeah, coming off uh, 11 points in 12 minutes in his last game from Boise State, so that's uh, going deep there. All right, let's talk about one more uh, team injury um, impact here, and that's the Orlando Magic. And uh, DJ Augustine is out for a few weeks with a knee issue. Uh, they just got done losing Jonathan Isaac. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams has, has been out, and Al Farouk Aminu is out for the year. So lots of struggles there. I know I'm a University of Washington guy and uh, couldn't help but see the triple-double laid by Markel Fultz the other night. i got to assume that this is uh, means more good things for Markel Fultz going forward. Oh, yeah, it was a big-time triple-double, 21 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, and uh, maybe a sign of more to come for uh, for Fultz. He's actually shooting a pretty respectable 46% from the field and 74% from the free-throw line this year, which is uh, definitely a big jump over what he's done in the past uh, couple seasons. And, uh, you know, he still struggles with his three-point shot, but his floor game is definitely solid. Very athletic, loves to push the pace, and uh, that was a nice gamble by Orlando to trade for him last year. He's looking like he's starting to round out into that top prospect that he was coming out of college. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, yeah, it seems, you know, it's things, it's all systems goal for Fultz kind of rebuilding his his cred i'm curious about the front core they lost uh you know i mentioned the team lost jonathan isaac we're not seeing much out of uh cam birch or mo bamba so far like how interested are you in are you in these guys anymore with isaac out are you just kind of writing them off i see like i have bamba like speculatively sitting on my bench on a team but he's like four percent owned in yahoo and it's probably not worth keeping around right yeah, I think those guys are just too limited. They're not they're not getting the job done right now. But uh Terrence Ross is scoring more consistently and I'd say he's a decent picker pickup or a guy to start if you're trying to get some extra threes. And uh, the guy I uh, mentioned before that uh I think is more intriguing than Birch and Bamba is Wes Awundu. Kind of been watching him. He plays very aggressive defense and is a uh, a good young athlete and he might be playing 30 plus minutes a game now that augustine is out there's definitely some extra minutes to be had there yeah definitely with all those injuries yeah he's an interesting guy all right that kind of is going to wrap up our injury news segment here and i want to i want to transition uh as i mentioned at the top uh eric uh did a mid-season all fantasy team, all value team, and all pickup team. And uh, I encourage you guys to go check that out. It's always fun to kind of look at the landscape of things at the midway point of the season. And he promised that on this podcast he would uh, debut his all-disappointing team for the midway point. Uh, And so we're going to dive into that. But before we do, we got to help these fantasy owners that own these disappointments uh, be able to relax here. And so... Let's take a deep breath, relax for a moment as I tell you about Calm. 
Uh, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm's number one app for sleep and meditation, and they've teamed up with Le- LeBron James to help you train your mind. Um, LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things he can do for his mind and body. And if you head to calm.com backslash dimes, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. Uh, with Calm, you have access to nature uh, nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. Uh, so for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com's backslash dimes. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com backslash dimes. That's calm.com backslash dimes. All right, Eric, as promised, uh, it is time to get to your disappointment. So uh, let's, you know, why don't we talk about the guys i guess this is one of those things do you how much do you include injury disappointments versus just performance uh disappointment what was your what kind of factored in for you and what made it a true disappointment here right i mean injuries definitely play it play into this for a few of the guys but i chose not to include steph curry or zion williamson here just because uh they haven't really had a chance to be on the court to actually disappoint with their play. Curry was playing fine until he got hurt. Zion is yet to play a game and kind of anticipating his debut supposed to come next week. So kind of looking forward to that. Um, but uh, yeah, let's yeah. get into this. Well, uh, a guy who has disappointed both with uh, injuries, missing games, and with his play on the court, and I think he has been the most disappointing player of the first half, is Mike Conley Jr. on Utah. I mean, he was a top 50 pick in almost all leagues, and he just really has struggled to adjust to his new team, kind of uh, no longer the lead playmaker. Donovan Mitchell obviously has that job, and I mean, he was just really struggling with his shot. His numbers were way down. And uh, has been out for quite some time now with the hamstring injury. And Utah has been rolling without him, which is definitely uh, concerning if you've been hanging on to Conley this whole time. You know, it's funny about Conley. I would say for most of his career, he, he's been making like the either like the all overachieve or all Mr. Consistency teams. You know, it's like such a it's such a change up for him. He's usually the guy that you can just set and forget. And, you know, he's going to, you know over the course of the season, he's going to treat you just fine. And this is kind of one of the first times I can remember him really just being a straight up disappointment, as you, as you mentioned, and you're calling him basically the biggest disappointment in fantasy hoops this year, which is, it's a weird guy. I would never have chosen him to be that guy, but it's also the first year he's been on a different team besides Memphis. Well, how much do you think that has anything to do with it? Right. You figure it definitely has to play a part in it. A new system, new teammates, but I mean, it, visualizing it in preseason you're like okay he gets to do some pick and rolls with rudy gobert that can't be too hard to just throw him some lobs right get some easy assists right there and yet his assists are way down he's gone from 6.4 assists to 4.6 assists his steals are way down his shootings way down and i kind of think that he must have been 
limited, not not playing 100% to start the season is what I'm guessing. And that's that's kind of when you see hamstring injuries happen, right, is when you're already kind of nursing another injury and then your body compensates. And so hopefully all this rest will do him well. But at the same time, you know, Utah has a really tricky situation now that he's, he's supposedly uh, nearing his return, but they'll probably at least initially bring him off the bench just because they've been playing so well without him. And Joe Ingles is really helping that uh, offense thrive with his passing ability and shooting. I just, you know, the guy's 32 years old, but he's had like 12, 12 seasons of being mostly an Ironman and playing like 32, an average of 32 and a half minutes per game. You just kind of wonder if he's starting to reach the end of the tread on those tires at this point. I mean, there's lots of guys that play past you know their th- age 32 season but a lot of time they're the bigger guys you know that don't uh that aren't you know motoring up and down the court as much as the point guard like conley so um yeah i just i i just wonder how much he has left in in, in terms of his career span right i mean maybe it's time for him to transition to that that backup point guard role and yeah. it's kind of easy to envision him being more effective that way going against second units but uh, then you're kind of looking at him playing just uh, 20, 25 minutes per game as opposed to 30 minutes per game. And obviously that's not what fantasy owners who drafted him were expecting. So what I did for this uh, was kind of give grades for their uh, potential or likelihood of improving in the second half. And uh, I'm going to give Conley a C plus. I think... Uh, you know, hopefully the rest will help him, but at the same time, it's hard to be too optimistic about it, those numbers really shooting up to what uh, fantasy owners were expecting. All right, let's go to the other uh, member of the first team all disappointment backcourt, and it's a guy I mentioned. Conley has played a ton. Uh, this guy is a rookie; he hasn't played a whole lot, and he has certainly not lived up to the expectations of the number three overall pick. So, why don't you tell us uh, what you haven't liked about uh, R.J. Barrett so far? Right, well, R.J. Barrett, uh, like you said, third pick, and. He came into the league with the NBA body, definitely has that strong wing body and was supposed to be NBA ready. But when you compare him to number two pick, John Moran, it's been uh, night and day results. And uh, Barry is Can just I just say really- I love John Moran. Uh, uh, watching him go against Harden the other night was, was awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's such a stark contrast. Boy, did the Knicks wish they were, you know, the number two pick this year. That's, uh, that's a rough discrepancy right there between two and three. Yeah, I mean, the Grizzlies have become one of the most entertaining teams to watch, and yet the Knicks are still, you know, I still I Still, still the Knicks. <laughs> uh, you know, Barrett has just really struggled to make shots under 40% from the field, under 33% on threes, and he's barely shooting 60% from the free throw line on four and a half attempts per game. So that's really killing your fantasy team's free throw percentage if you've been playing Barrett. But on the other hand, I'd say the high free throw attempts for a rookie are very encouraging. The fact that he's able to attack the basket, absorb contact, get those foul calls even as a rookie, pretty impressive there. Hopefully that uh, free throw percentage will improve, but unlikely to happen, uh, go up by a lot this year. Uh, the de- decent defensive numbers for him, but only two and a half assists a game. Of course, it doesn't help that the Knicks are pretty lacking in terms of shot makers. 
But Barrett's picking up his play, 19 points per game on 46% from the field in the six games prior to Thursday, which he left uh, early due to a sprained ankle. And definitely very encouraging because he did that against some of the top defenses in the league. He went against the Bucks, Heat, Jazz, Lakers, and Clippers over those six games. And so I'm giving him a A-. minus. I think uh, he's going to have a very strong second half. Hopefully this ankle injury isn't serious, but he's definitely a strong hold, or you can try and buy low. But uh, if his owners are paying attention, they won't want to give him up for cheap now. Yeah, uh, buy low opportunity, like you said, but smart owners uh, probably know that as well. I mean, the guy gets to the rack and, and draws fouls, and if he just picks up that free throw percentage, and you know, I mean, that can turn things around in a hurry. So uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that ankle injury goes. All right, let's move to um, our forwards here, or I should say, your forwards. Uh, who do you got at the at the forward tandem here for your first team all disappointments? Right, I went with a couple of veterans, Blake Griffin and Draymond Green. Uh, top, both guys, top fifty picks in most leagues, and yet they just been <laughs> terrible, uh, terrible play on the court. And Griffin especially just put up some really, really bad numbers, and he's likely done for the season now. Um, played just eighteen games, and when comparing his numbers to the year before. 15.5 points down from 24.5 points, under five rebounds after 7.5 rebounds, just barely three assists after nearly 5.5 assists, and 35% shooting from the field after shooting 46% last year. So he clearly was not 100% really at any time this year, just had a couple of strong games, and uh, any owner who gambled on Griffin definitely paid the price, and kind of, I, ho- I hope no Griffin owners are actually going to hang on to him and hope that he returns. Cause you just got to cut your losses <laughs> at this point. And so he gets an F for the second half or an incomplete or a zero, whatever, however you want to call it, I would say, uh, right. Is, I'd is, say highly unlikely that he returns. So, yeah, I guess when you gamble, I mean, that's, it's a double-edged sword and sometimes it works out and this is, you know, this is the worst case scenario for Blake Griffin, but also something that was completely plausible that could happen. So it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, the gamble didn't pay off here. How about, uh, your other guy at forward? Yeah, I mean, Draymond has been in and out of the lineup all year for the Warriors. He's become really hard to trust. I know there's, uh, weeks where, I'm in weekly lineups and I'm looking at him and he's already been ruled out for the first game of the week. And it's like, okay, even if he comes back to play these next two games, is it even worth it? And obviously that's not what you want from one of your top picks. So it's been definitely a big disappointment. His scoring is up very, very slightly still under 10 points per game, of course, but his rebounds, assists and blocks are down significantly from last year and his field goal percentage is, under 39%. And I mean he's he's always been a subpar three-point shooter, but it's actually his two-point shooting that has brought down his field goal percentage. I was looking at his uh shot makeup and less than 25% of his shot attempts have come within 3 feet of the hoop this year, which that number was up over 35% in each of the past 4 seasons. So he's obviously not getting those easy rolls to the hoop now that Steph, Clay, and KD are no longer there, and uh, it's just been a big disappointment. And I'm giving him a C minus for the second half. It's really hard to see him 
improving just because Eric Paschal, Omari Spellman, they've shown that they're talented and they need those minutes to develop. And then GSW also re-signed Marquise Christ after releasing him and no one picked him up, so they re-signed him. So they like what he brings to the table. So expect more DNPs from Draymond, and it's going to be tough because uh, he's, he's too good to drop, and yet he's still tough to rely on. Yeah, I mean, I was just, you think with those injuries that uh, Draymond would have more of an offensive role, yet here he is averaging the second fewest uh shot attempts of the last six years. So uh, I guess the potential upside here is I would think you, you know, like you said, some DMPs for Draymond the rest of the way, maybe you lower his minutes. He's he's at 29.2 minutes per game right now, which isn't a huge drop from where he's been uh, in the past when the other guys like Thompson and Curry were healthy. But I wonder if you even kind of try to limit those even more with the idea that you're developing your bench guys for next year when those, when Thompson and Curry return, I I guess it, you know, obviously in a lost season, that might be the blessing in disguise here for Draymond and uh, you know, the warrior fans going forward. Sure. Try to keep him fresh because he has had some, some health issues the past few years. So maybe next season he'll be fresh and he could end up being one of the most uh, valuable top value picks for next year. We'll find out. Yeah. All right. So C minus for him for the second half. Okay. First team center is someone we already mentioned in uh, when we're talking about Luke Cornett. So uh, why don't we talk about Miles Turner as your as your first team center disappointment here? Right. Turner is a guy that I kind of warn people about mainly because of his shot blocking is very very tricky category. We've discussed this before, right? So he led the league in shot blocking last year with two point seven blocks per game, but that's down to just. 2.0 blocks per game and that definitely uh is is a hit for owners who are expecting closer to three blocks per game right right and really all of his key stats are down from last season with the exception of threes and at the same time he's spending too much time behind the arc so his figure percentage has dropped to just 45 percent which is hardly what you want from uh, your top center or top big man and uh for a guy who was a top 30 pick in a lot of drafts, he hasn't come close to delivering that kind of value. Um, the the sprained ankle that he suffered in the season definitely hurt him a little bit and has probably uh, caused uh, some of his poor numbers. But at the same time, really, his his big games have only happened when Sabonis has been out. And that makes you wonder if the the Twin Towers look for Indiana is really working or not, and if they should consider uh, trading probably Turner. I think they value Sabonis higher, so it would be interesting to see if he if he gets uh, some interest at the trade deadline and the Pacers actually look to move him. I'm giving him a C for the second half because with the return of Oladipo, it's kind of hard to see those numbers going up. And uh, maybe it'll take a trade or an injury or something for him to really break out and deliver what owners were hoping for. Yeah, Oladipo is expected to come back right at the end of this month. So nice to, you know, have some some big returns in, in Zion Williamson and, and Oladipo at the end of this month. But uh, quickly, what, what do you expect uh, Oladipo's impact to be to the people around him? Is it, is it possible that Miles Turner could be even more disappointing, or is he gonna, you think he's going to kind of just hold where he's at, which is, you know, still not exciting for fantasy owners? I think he can still at least hold his numbers. Uh, I mean, they haven't been that that great that they're going to be hard to to maintain. 
I think he's going to be more of an impact on guys like TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. And yet at the same time, you know, he won't be playing every game. So those guys can still get their chance to shine. Um, hopefully Aaron Holiday stays in the rotation. He's been very impressive for a young player. But, uh, yeah, Indiana will kind of uh, just reduce the minutes of everyone just a little bit, I think, to bring Oladipo back in there. If, I know you're not a doctor, but like, what would be your sense of when Oladipo's kind of playing uh, full minutes and playing like as much as Indiana's going to plan to play him down the stretch? Like, do you think it'll be a couple weeks, or do you think it'll be quicker or, or slower than that? No, I think they'll be very careful with him, and the fact that they're um, doing well without him and are definitely going to be in the playoffs and might even be able to uh, maintain a first-round home court advantage if they can have a strong second-half surge. I think their focus is on the postseason, so I think they'll be very careful with him. But I also think that Oladipo is talented enough that even in fewer minutes, he can still put up some very nice numbers. Yeah, I'm sure they'll want to figure out what they what their rotations and stuff will look like in the playoffs. So they'll probably try to experiment with that a little bit and make sure they're set uh, with the, that ideology going in. But yeah, uh, I can see them definitely wanting to manage him and make sure that they're at at full tilt for the postseason. Um, all right, let's uh, quickly hit on our your second team, all disappointment team, and starting. In the backcourt, uh, you got a pretty big name kind of leading the way in your back backcourt for a second team disappointment. Why don't you uh, tell us who that is? Right, Kyrie Irving has to be considered one of the biggest disappointments when he's played. His numbers have been fine, scoring a career high twenty seven point two points per game, getting to the line a uh, career high five point one times per game on over ninety one percent shooting from the line, and still dishing out nearly seven assists per game. But uh, his three-point accuracy is down this year, for, down from 40% to 36%. And uh, the Nets have still struggled even with him on the court. And you kind of have to question his leadership abilities. He's no, young, no, no longer the young guy. He's 27 years old now, and he should be that, that leader. And uh, I kind of question whether he has that makeup. I mean, I think uh, I think Boston questioned his leadership abilities too, and and made a made a decision on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can see how how well Boston has played without him, and Brooklyn was even playing well without him at first before kind of uh, their lack of talent catching up to them, and. Uh, It'll be, I mean, it could go, the second half of the season could go either way for Kyrie. He could very easily suffer a setback and then decide that he needs uh, to have surgery, kind of be ready for next season, or he could try and put that team on his back and average nearly 30 points a game and just be one of the top players in the second half of the season. So definitely want to cross your fingers if you have them. I know you have them on one of your squads, so be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, so you're calling him what grade for the second half? I'm going with a B. It could definitely turn into an A, or it could turn into uh, something really bad. So yeah, so I guess a B is sort of hedging towards a, a, a slightly more optimistic uh, than pessimistic uh, look for the second half. And I hope you're right because, as you mentioned, I own him in a team. I know you own him in a few places as well. All right, kind of a 
you know, kind of in terms of star value, a big jump here between your first guy and your second guy in the backcourt. But Derek White was a guy that, you know, kind of came on the scene last year and was uh, sort of maybe would have made your all pickup team last year. And people kind of bought into him this year. And he hasn't uh, really built off of last year's kind of momentum. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely the way he closed out last year in the second half and then also in the playoffs, he was great. He averaged 15 points a game on 55% shooting from the field in his seven playoff games. And then over the summer was uh, participating with the Team USA. And uh, that kind of made you think, okay, Popovich definitely is is planning to give this guy the ball as much as possible and he'll be playing 30 minutes a game. And that just hasn't been the case. His minutes are down. He's been in and out of the starting lineup, has really struggled with his consistency. Most of his key stats are down. His rebounds, assists, and steals are down quite a bit from last year. And, yeah, he was had an ADP kind of around number 100. People were hoping for that breakout year, and it just hasn't happened. He's barely been worth owning in deeper leagues. For the second half, I could see him improving a little bit. But at the same time, uh, I think uh, a trade needs to happen. So I would give him a B minus if the roster stays the same, or a B plus if the Spurs do decide to trade one of their veterans, maybe like a Patty Mills. DeMar DeRozan would be the big name, of course. Uh, if that were to happen, his numbers could definitely rise. But we'll see if they decide to make a move or not. Yeah, been a decent amount of discussion of, of players on the Spurs getting dealt. So, as you said, we'll see on that. All right, let's go to your second team forward disappointments. Who do you got there? I'm going with uh, Aaron Gordon and Marvin Bagley at the forwards. Uh, both guys still pretty young. Aaron Gordon has been in the league a long time now, but at the same time, he's still just 24 years old. It's kind of easy to forget that. But it just seems like he's taking a step backwards this season instead of continuing to progress. His uh, offensive role this year has been reduced. He's averaging 13.5 points, 2.7 assists, down from 16 points and 3.7 assists last year. But his three-point shooting has really fallen off just 27% from deep on nearly four attempts per game. And he's also under 70% from the free-throw line, which uh, is... Is disappointing just because he's shown such a such little improvement since he entered the league, and I think that's where a sign where you can see if the guys are really working on their craft or not is that free throw percentage. Because plenty of guys enter the league as poor free throw shooters, but you see them gradually improve. Like take a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who was just terrible his first few years, and then he has become into a pretty pretty reliable free throw shooter the past couple years. And so I don't like it when guys uh, show no progression in that category. And uh, you kind of have to wonder if he's putting in the the same amount of effort as some of these other guys. But uh, I'm still giving Gordon an A for the second half because with Jonathan Isaac out, he simply has to step up. So the minutes are going to be there and he'll get a, a lot more scoring chances and playmaking chances. So time to see what he can do. You know, it's amazing. You have that he's still just 24 years old. And and, and you mentioned it's easy to forget that. I would have guessed he was at least 27 or 28. Like, he seems like he's been around forever. And he kind of, he's played a lot, but uh, I guess you forget that he came into the league so young. Uh, It just seems like he's older than that. So certainly at 24, I mean, you could argue he's not, he's not really hit his prime yet. Um, 
which is just crazy to think about. All right. So your other your other backcourt guys, Marvin Bagley, it's kind of a Gordon, you know, mostly making this list for just his play. Uh Bagley making this list because the guy can't stay healthy so far. And he hasn't played great when he uh when he's been on the court. It's fair to say on that. Yeah, I mean only eleven games played this far. Got hurt in the season opener, which you never want to see. Broke his thumb, missed over six weeks of action, and it's kind of like, okay, no problem. Uh, just hang on to him and then can uh, put him in the starting lineup once he returns. But nope, he got hurt again, missed two more weeks due to a foot sprain. And, uh, you know, the Kings have limited his minutes because of injury, but also because his teammates are playing really well. Uh, Bielitsa and Rashawn Holmes both made uh uh, my all value and all pickup teams and they've definitely earned their minutes and that's kind of held Bagley's minutes in check and it just seems like that breakout season fans were hoping for is going to have to wait another year so I'm giving him a C plus for the second half I do think he'll play a little bit better but it's hard to uh, picture that being a big jump and uh, I mean uh, definitely Kings fans have to be kind of shaking their heads uh, considering they had a chance to draft Luca or Trey Young and uh, decided to go with Marvin Bagley there. It's um, Oh, my gosh. That didn't, wasn't even, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. That is insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bagley That's going to be a rough one for them three. to kind of swallow for the next few years. Uh, hopefully Bagley can uh, you know eventually have that breakout season and, and ease their pain a little bit. Um, all right, your last guy on the team here at Sender is another guy that and I think you were kind of, you know, one of the guys driving a bandwagon on this guy as far as a breakout campaign. I think a lot of people liked him after the glimpses they saw of him as a rookie, and that's uh Mitchell Robinson in New York. What do you want to what do you want to say about him? Well, I mean, he played 20.6 minutes per game as a rookie, and I think a lot of people drafting him were expecting that to be 25 plus this year and instead that's still just at 22.6 per game because he was playing so little at the beginning of the year but his rebounds have been uh just a minimal increase 6.4 to 6.6 and his shot blocking is down considerably down from 2.4 to 1.7 blocks per game and i think people were hoping he would challenge that three blocks per game barrier which would give him a ton of value and it's unfortunate because He's probably, like I said, I haven't been had the desire to watch any Knicks games, really. <laughs> but he's probably playing much more disciplined defense, which his coaches would be preaching and is kind of a, a positive sign in his progression. But at the same time, that penalizes him for the fantasy game. And so that's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, at least his minutes have been ramping up, but there's still... No sign of those those blocks increasing. I'll give him a B minus for the second half. I do think he'll get better, but at the same time, he's still on the Knicks and he's still kind of uh, <laughs> struggling a bit, and it's hard to envision three blocks per game anymore. All right, so there you go. There's the two uh, two all-disappointment teams. As I mentioned, if you're interested in uh, seeing who Eric's all-fancy, all-value team, and all-pickups teams were, uh, we encourage you to check that out on The Athletic right now. Um, Eric, as we always do, as we wrap things up, I like to go to you and, and ask you what you'll be looking forward to watching on the NBA Hardwood uh, this weekend. 
Right. Well, definitely the game of the night tonight is Blazers at Mavericks. Uh, kind of a role reversal for these two teams. Uh, Mavericks did not make the playoffs last year, but they are firmly in the top six seed, I believe, right now. And the Blazers are the team that's out of the playoff picture at 18 and 24. But I fully expect them to uh, go on a run and Damian Lillard to carry that team on his back in the second half of the season because that guy's a winner and he's he's not going to be happy sitting at home when the playoffs start. So I think this is going to be a very interesting game to watch. Uh, Blazers have won two games in a row trying to get a little uh, winning streak going. And uh, tomorrow, definitely want to check out Lakers at Rockets, ABC game. You know they save those good games for ABC on the weekends. <laughs> and definitely looking forward to Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They load up that schedule. It's just a fun fun day to kick back uh, and watch all those games unfold. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Harden and LeBron on Saturday is great. And then, as you mentioned, always good stuff on Martin Luther King Day. So great stuff. Eric, appreciate it as always. I guess next week we'll be able to talk about uh, a Zion Williamson debut. So that I look forward to that. Uh, we hope uh, everybody will come back and join us for that one as well. I just want to remind everybody, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Brandon Funston. Eric is at Roto Evil. And as mentioned, you can follow Eric's stuff on The Athletic. Uh, you just go to athletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. You can get 40% off. That gets you access to all of the podcasts there. Bunch of great NBA podcasts there. And you can find them on iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy them, we always appreciate uh, getting a quick rating and review from you guys. So with that, uh, I will sign off for this week. I uh, wish everybody a great week. And we hope to catch you back here next week. <laughs>